Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Drivers Meeting Podcast, hosted by RJ Starcevic, a.k.a. NASCAR Report, and driver and team owner of the number 44 Martins Motorsports Chevrolet in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, Tommy Joe Martins. Welcome back to the driver's meeting, the fourth episode. I'm RJ Starcevic here with Tommy Joe Martins. And last episode, we primarily talked about silly season and we kicked it off talking about John Hunter Nemechek and where he's going to go because that announcement came out last week that he was leaving front row motorsports. And yesterday we find out that he will be, well, me and you, you kind of brought it up first that he could go back down to trucks. Um, we just didn't know what team and he goes down to trucks, Kyle Busch Motorsports. What, what was your initial reaction to that? Uh, that was surprising to me. Uh, the KBM thing, uh, the truck series thing was not surprising to me. I felt like that was the most logical place for him. It's where he'd had the most success. Um, what was surprising even more was that John Hunter felt like his last two years were underwhelming, uh, which I could probably agree with him over at GMS uh, in 2019, realistically, kind of evaluating that, you know, okay, probably probably went into that thinking he would contend for wins more often, be a championship threat. Wasn't really. I don't think that's really a reflection of him. I think that was kind of the, the team gearing up late uh, to make that move in the Xfinity Series to kind of accommodate him. And uh, with Front Row Motorsports, I don't think anybody's sitting here saying that he had a bad year. I mean, I think everybody thinks that he had a good year, in, in fact, and, and really showed, showed well in his first full-time cup season. So his own evaluation of that is surprising to me because yeah, I saw him have top 10 caliber runs in, in an underfunded car. And, and that's also Michael McDowell as a teammate who I believe beat him in the final season standings, I believe, but don't quote me on that, but I think he did finish ahead of him. Look, Michael McDowell is good too. It's okay for multiple people to be good. <laughs> and so John Hunter came in, I think, with expectations on himself that he would somehow elevate the team uh, maybe to another level. And that's, look, man, you're running in cup. It's not like <laughs> it's not like down there in trucks where you can take a family team and, and maybe contend for a win. It's you're, you're going against the powerhouses of the sport here and some of the best drivers in the world. So uh, I, interesting to hear his kind of takes on this and obviously i think he's going to have a tremendous opportunity to win the championship uh, next year in the trucks i mean you got to consider him immediately uh, probably a, a top four uh i probably would pencil him in the top four just like i think a lot of other people would yeah i think if this move came maybe one two years down the road i feel like we wouldn't be as shocked but he's coming off his rookie season and you know it of course, it's not going to be the most amazing year because we're not going to expect much out of you know these rookies. I mean, we didn't expect much out of Custer, Reddick, Bell coming up in their first seasons, no practice. Uh, but I think it came as a shock to a lot of people. But 
I feel like maybe he felt like this was a move he had to make now, you know, if he wanted to transition himself to the Toyota program, uh, because I know as, as it was shown last week, you got a new Toyota team, 23, um, 11 racing, you know, showing how they, and Denny has said he wants to expand that team soon. Uh, so I think maybe John Hunter looked at that and saw maybe some more opportunities if he could work his way up and he knows he has to prove himself. I know in his interview, he said he's taken a bet on himself and, uh, I respect that. I think he can go to KVM. Like you said, we can pencil him in as a top four favorite because he's done so well there already with Nemco, uh, and you know, his father's team. And now, you know, working his way, a lot of people have talked bad about the Toyota program, but I think 2311 racing is definitely given another elevation to that Toyota program and people might see it as more opportunities. Do you think that's where, do you think he's eyeing 2311 racing? Is that a part of it at all? You know, that's interesting because I hadn't really thought of that, RJ, but, you know, I just don't, I don't think he's looking that far down the road. I think he's a guy that feels like if I'm not winning, then, then I'm not, you know, this is not showing me well, basically. Like if, I, if I'm not in something that can win every week, that is not where I want to be, uh, which I respect that. There's just not that many. When you get to the cup level, there's just not many of those rides. And so I guess John Hunter's looking at this like I need to position myself as young with cup experience and a guy that is winning and capable of winning a championship and if and when one of those top rides comes available, I'm in contention for that. Now, if that's a 2311 expanding, if they wind up being better than, than I think they're going to be this year, I think they're going to be a good team. I don't, I don't think they're going to be a great team. Certainly not right away. Uh, but we're, I think John Hunter's looking bigger than that. I think John, you know, I don't, I don't think John Hunter would be really happy in a, in a Roush Fenway ride right now. Right. So here's a guy that was in the Ford camp. If you told me as the, as the general manager of, Rosh Fenway Racing, okay, you can have John Hunter Nemechek. I would have said, absolutely, sounds great. I mean, that's a great prospect for us to really kind of groom up here. I don't think he'd have been happy in that situation either. So it's it's interesting here uh, hearing his take on this, RJ, because I think this is a, a confidence-building move. I feel like his confidence has been hurt the last couple of years, and that's surprising to me because John Hunter is really good, and he's a race winner. But I guess he feels like, if I'm not up there winning, contending for wins, I'm getting worse as a driver or, or I'm not showing myself enough for my sponsors or for my own career to advance forward to where I want to be, which is like a cup level champion guy. Um, he is betting on himself. I mean, he is. My follow-up is, okay, let's say he does have a big year. Let's say he goes down there and is a championship contender because that's about all you can really hope for because you get that final race and there's a lot. I mean, as we saw, even in the truck series, who you thought was going to win the championship changed three times in the last 10 laps. So all you can do is really put yourself in that championship for mix. Do I think John Hunter can do that? Absolutely. Okay. Let's say he wins the championship or doesn't win it. Brett Moffitt won the championship. I think you and I on this podcast have talked about, just how exceedingly talented I think Brett Moffat is. And as a guy that I would look at for one of those cup rides, I think he deserves to be there. He's not there. And so you, I think with John Hunter, I go, okay, win the championship. And then what's the next step? What are we hoping to get out of this? Um, And if it's just back to a middling 
as clearly he's looking at it as kind of a, a middling step being in a front row motorsports and cup. I don't know how many of those opportunities come available in top level equipment in the next, in the next year. I just, I don't know. Yeah. And, and we talk about winning and he's going to a team, you know, we can X Kyle Bush's wins in the 51 out of there, but he's going to a team that really didn't get to the expectations that people had. Now they had a few guys who hadn't run full-time seasons, you know, Lassard, I, I think Lassard showed a lot of promise towards the end of the season. Once he got acclimated to everything, uh, Christian Eckes, you know, had a solid season, didn't get that win, but he's going to a team that ultimately, you know, Kyle Bush was disappointed in their production on the track. Lassard did get that win at Talladega and unfortunately, you know, is booted out, you know, of the four car or four truck. But I'm wondering where this driver lineup's gonna go because, you know, I would assume Christian Eckes could be back, but will he be back? You know, do they add another truck? Because you got red hot Chandler Smith and you know they gotta put him in sometime. You know, we were debating whether he'd be in this year, wasn't, you know, got a part-time gig again. And does he get a full-time truck, whether it's maybe replacing Eckes? And then where does Eckes go? Because uh, I feel like that's what they're deciding on right now. And then you got Ty Gibbs. What are you going to do with Ty Gibbs? I feel like there's a lot of guys that are in there. And we didn't really throw John Hunter into this equation, you know, until yesterday. And now there's less seats being available. And th there's a lot of talent, definitely. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where Rafael Lassard goes because I – I know he was a good, talented kid. He showed a lot of promise at the end of last year, for sure. I think Kyle spoke about having a veteran on the truck team full-time uh, for him, and that's how he spoke about John Hunter in this announcement. He said, you know, we, we've got a race-winning truck series driver in the fold, a cup-level experience guy that's going to come down and kind of be the leader of the team. And that, you know, <laughs> I mean, it cracks me up because John Hunter is like 23 years old. <laughs> He's so young. He's so young. So it feels like we're, we're stacking the deck here against some of these younger drivers where, like, what are we hoping to get out of this? Like, that's the only question that I have for Toyota development or for whoever's doing this. Like, what is the path to progression here? And for John Hunter, that's the question I ask. Like, if the path to progression is – you have a great year in trucks, but the only thing is open at the end of the year is kind of mid-level cup series rides again. Is that not where you want to be? Cause you clearly shown that that's not where you want to be. And, and I just, I, I don't love that mentality. Obviously I'm a guy that drives for a smaller team and has for several years now. Um, and like, there's this impression that's going on in the industry uh, that somehow if you're not in a race winning car, you are wasting your time. And I just think that is a bonkers idea. That is a crazy idea. I mean, you've seen guys like Ross Chastain. We talked about it on the, on the show last week. You've seen these guys get the experience they need in smaller teams. And when they get that opportunity in a bigger team, they're ready. Right. And so I, John Hunter had all the experience. Like he doesn't need more truck experience. He's fine. Like if anything, he needs more experience in a cup car. And so I'm, I'm surprised at the move here. I really am. Yeah, and, and I know we noted on last week that, if anything, Front Row Motorsports is exceeding. You know, they're, they're getting better, I feel like, each year, and I think Michael McDowell is a great part of that. He does well every every year, and I think he's got a great shot. Most underrated here. guy in the whole thing. I really yeah. believe that. Yeah, he's, he's got a great shot to go out and run well next year with all the road courses as well. Um, but that, you know, I, I still kind of debate 
uh, sit here and debate with myself on what was the reasoning, you know, the initial reasoning. And, and it does sound like it was John Hunter uh, wanting to bet on himself and, and leave that 38 ride. And I just wonder if there was preparation for this. I know front row probably doesn't know who they're going to put in that car, but I'm, I'm sitting here and wondering, you know, it does anybody drive it next year? Because, you know, we're preparing for the next gen car and charters are going everywhere. It seems. And I'm looking at guys that I know there hasn't really been a, a charter market since, uh, I believe 2311 purchased Jermaine. I think that was, that was the last one to get purchased. Correct. Was it 2311 that purchased Jermaine or did they pur- purchase Levine? Cause I'm not sure. No, the spot, sp- I think Spire purchased Levine. Spire got okay. the Levine charter and then 2311. Strange. Because the, yeah. the way I think of this in my mind, right, is that somehow <laughs> Levine and that Toyota relationship turned into yeah. 2011. Basically, that's, you know. And Trackhouse with the 99 turned into what was Jermaine with an yeah. RCR relationship. So, it, you know, we essentially just re- we changed the names yeah. on a couple really. of the buildings, really. But the, but the relationships and the car count is staying the same. Yeah. And, and I know there was a rumor before of Spire. Spire is supposed to have two charters this year. Uh, they went and then they sold the other one off. And then there was something that came out. They said that they had, you know, bought the 37 charter. And then uh, JTG, I believe the guys over there said, oh, we don't have anything to, you know, to say about this. And then it kind of just went away. Um, they announced Priest was coming back, but there hasn't, you know, they haven't said like what car or anything. I think priest himself just said he'd be back with the team. I'm just like wondering, speculating here, if these charters are going to be flipped around because front row, there's been nothing. And, you know, they could, they could find somebody, but I know Spire's goal. And they've said that they will have two charters for next year. I know that could change. And then they said they had bought in the JTG one and JTG said, you know, we don't have anything to say. I don't know. I got very confused at that moment because there was a lot of people saying different things. I don't know if this could end up in a uh, charter swap again, if we haven't seen the last of the charters. I know we're going to see a lot next year for sure with the next gen car coming around. I don't know. A lot of, a lot of speculation go around. That's for sure. You know what this feels like to me, RJ? It feels like a bunch of people that just got to the casino and walked up to the roulette table and they're they're talking to the people that have been sitting there for a few hours right and and some of them are up big but a lot of them in fact most of them are definitely down and they're sitting there with their 20 bucks or their 50 bucks and when you're sitting there with that not only are you down the money but when you're sitting there with just 50 dollars, you can't even win a lot more right like even if you because you don't have enough money to really win big. And that's what it feels like with some of these teams. Because right now, when I look at JTG, when I look at front row, what we talked about a podcast before, right? When you try to get better and you try to advance your program and you wind up roughly in the same place, those are the teams that are in financial trouble. Those are the ones. The BJ McLeod Motorsports, the Carl Long Motorsports, Look, they're hurting. I'm not sitting here acting like they're just like rolling in the dough. They're not. But they never really expose themselves to like, you know what? We're doing a big engine program this year, and it's going to cost us a lot more money, but we're going to try to get better. They don't do that. They just go, look, we're going to limit our risk. We're going to limit our expenses the most we can. 
And if we squeak out a little profit, okay, cool. So that's how they look at it. I look at front row and JTG and I go, <laughs> those, those are two that have tried and wound up in roughly the same spot. And so do I think that those are charters that could move? Yeah. And do I see Trackhouse in 2311 and all these other people that are now getting in and they know what's coming, right? They know the new car is coming. They're coming in with fresh money, just like at the roulette table. They're sitting down with their 500 bucks or $1,000 and they're ready to gamble. Let's go. We're ready to take a chance on this. We're betting that the business model with this new car is going to be a better thing for us, right? We're buying in and, and yeah, our buy-in is going to be more because we got to buy all these new cars and everything. But we bet that it's going to be a better model moving forward once we have the charter, once we have the cars and the people. Great. I think that's awesome. The catch here being when you've been out there for a few years, like Front Row and JTG, and you've been taking the punches, and now that cash flow is... Uh, and now all of your cars are worthless at the end of this year. And so it's like, it's going to require essentially like another startup initial investment to like do it again. Okay. Well, where's the money coming from? It's got to come from sponsors. And it sounds like both of those teams are looking at like, well, it's funded drivers. It's kind of what we're aiming for. I don't think Michael McDowell's going anywhere with his little bit of sponsorship that he has kind of year to year, but is it going to be somebody with enough dough to like, oh, it'll cover the initial investment of the new car and all this other stuff. I don't know that it will. And so you got some of these owners that are looking at this and going, do we really want to pony up all this money again and bet that it's going to get better? Or do we just want to take the money that we can get right now for the value of this charter? Because it's it's a seller's market. There are There are more people trying to buy charters then there are charters to sell. So they can kind of get out, even though their equipment is really not worth a lot. It's, a, it's worth something to me as an Xfinity team. But other than that, not really. The value is in the charter. So they just take the money and run and go, you know what? Good luck in the future. We had our fun. And you see that changeover. We're really the only, the only teams that are going to be kind of consistent in this thing. RJ might be the biggest, the biggest teams that have, more overhead, right? And like I talked about, the middle is going away. And you're going to have some new teams that want to fill that gap in the middle. They're kind of taking a chance on it, and we'll see if it works out. Yeah, one of those new teams is uh, Matt Tiff, BJ McLeod, which is now Live Fast Motorsports. They announced that this week. And in the uh, their announcement, they said they would have uh, an alliance with Stuart Haas Racing. Now people that would just look at it from the outside, would just read on the paper, would be like, oh boy, a fifth Stuart Haas racing car. But if, uh, especially the people that watched our podcast about two weeks ago and listened to what Matt Tift had to say about everything, you know, they know that's, that's not the case. You know, they're just here to, like you said, not, of course, they're not here to run in the middle yet. They're not going to buy all those parts. And you know that BJ McLeod is definitely one of the best at knowing what he needs to have and what he needs to do. Uh, they, they know how to conserve their stuff and they know where they want to run this year. 
and they're not going to be, you know, like a fifth Stuart Haas racing powerhouse car, like people would assume. Cause that's, that's almost what, uh, go fast was saying last year in their thing they had they said oh we got a Stuart haas racing uh, alliance and everyone immediately was like oh wow fifth shr car this is going to be like jgr and levine um you know go fast is gonna excel and you know and then they didn't they weren't faster than premium motorsports and daytona 500 qualifying and everyone was like wait a minute uh this isn't what i initially thought so i think uh you know you bring up a great point with the teams in the middle um either need to decide you know like what's right for their team or those teams are fading away and the new teams are coming in and and i i noticed that before when when bj and and matt were making their official announcement uh last week bj was talking about how they want to be here for you know at least a few years because there's always that uh the thing that you talk about if if they eventually get to the point where they start buying more stuff get in the middle and new people are coming in every every other year and buying these charters um then there's a possibility that they could exit again yeah the thing that i see as the scary proposition and let me let me just go ahead and get everybody stirred up everybody on reddit that watches this let's go ahead and just get everybody nice and pissed off here there, there definitely is something going on with the Race Team Alliance, and this is no discredit to them. Let me make sure I'm prefacing all of this with, like, I'm not slandering the RTA, mostly good things that have come out of the RTA. I think the people at the RTA are smart people. But they look at a team like Live Fast Motorsports, and, and what they used to say when B.J. McLeod or when Carl Long or when Rick Ware brought an open car, right? So not a chartered car, an open car to the back of the field. They took the kind of the vibe. Rob Kaufman, who kind of created the RTA, even said that is wasted money. Us paying these four open teams is wasted money. That is money that could be given to the 36 chartered teams and open teams if you want to show up and pay the money to show up, can't really stop you, but we, we certainly aren't going to pay the money out of the purse for that, right? Now, what do you and I know, RJ, is that realistically, the only reason those teams are showing up is because of the purse. They're, they're putting that with a little bit of sponsorship they got, and that's how they, they race off of it, right? That's the budget is based off of what they're getting paid. Now, at the front of the field, it's not based on that. It's based on sponsor and, and income on another level, compared to what they're actually getting paid, right? Three or four times what they're getting paid. In fact, Rob Kaufman told me that the budget that they have, the prize money from NASCAR only makes up about 25 to 27% of that, right? So that's the budget they're working with. I would tell you that in my, in my car, it makes up about 80% of the money, right? So big difference there. Right? Big difference in the Xfinity Series compared to the Cup Series. Okay, so now why, why am I saying all this? Well, the thing that Rob and the RTA really wanted to hammer home was the charter system because that's what protected the teams, right? And so it's like, hey, if you want to show up and race, buy a charter. Buy a charter, and then you can race in our series. That's now the ticket to entry. Mm -hmm. But I still think 
in the back of my mind that there is this little bit, and they're not even really hiding it, sense of elitism going on at the front of this field with these RTA teams. Because the RTA is all the bigger teams. None of the smaller teams are in the RTA. (laughs) Okay. They're not getting to weigh in on this kind of stuff. And when they look at a team like Live Fast Motorsports and BJ McLeod, something tells me that they look at that and they look at Rick Ware and they look at Premium Motorsports and they look at these smaller teams and they go, you know what? Do we need 36 charters? Because this is turning into the same thing that we did before. And now we've given them protections, right? So now we can't even really kick them out because now they got a charter protection to be in the series. But they're still not going to spend the money. They're still not going to be buying all the tires. They're still not going to be doing things the way that we want them to do it, right? But now they're protected at the back of this field. And I really believe, and I'm nervous about this, Okay, so this is why I'm saying go ahead and get the Reddit conspiracy board going because this is completely out of my own head. I'm not getting this from anywhere. When I look at the renegotiation of the television contract in 2024, that is the pivotal moment for our sport that is on the horizon. It is three years away. And we're going to know what that deal looks like realistically in like two years. Tops. It's going to already be renegotiated. Would it surprise you if the Cup Series was 32 cars or or 30 cars and there was some kind of like a buyback, the charter combined with a performance metric thing? Because that's the one clause that we've never talked about really with the charters because it's turned into such a mess is how many times these things trade and move around just to get away from the performance clause, which is that if you're in the bottom three teams for three consecutive years with that charter, that it is subject to review and removal potentially. Now, they're not, they say they're going to do it, but it could. And with the amended look at this, <laughs> could I see this happening where, again, those bigger teams look back there at a team that's small and doing it like that, like a go-fast, whatever, and they go, you know, that's not what NASCAR is. NASCAR is us. It should be the big teams. We're the ones that deserve all this money. We've spent all this money. Lopped off the back of the field. They're not competitive anyway. And give us the money. Now, I might be crazy, right, because we get a new car next year or 2022, and maybe that does help things a lot maybe it does but what i'm telling you is that the negotiations for this stuff are going to happen during 2022 and they might be looking further down the road and so when bj says something like you know we want to make sure we stay in this thing for a few years i go hmm just a few years that's an odd way of saying that right when you want to say we want to stay away from a long time we want to stay around as you know we believe in the sport not a few years That's kind of an odd way of looking at that. And I go, man, is this thing going to change a lot? And it's going to change from the top down, right? So a restructuring of the money. Does the Cup Series change? What happens to Xfinity? What happens to trucks? 
Yeah. And that's, that's what we'd all think. And you bring up a lot of great points there because I know recently in the past week, Twitter, Twitter's definitely been active with that. I know Adam Stern sent on a few stuff uh, regarding those type of things. And, um, you know, we could agree that NASCAR is trying to draw away from, from those open teams, the lower teams. And, and you make a great point when you talk about the powerhouses and, and they want the money and, you know, it, I could totally see that, you know, you asked that question, could we see uh, a field or charter of 32 or 30? Definitely. Because, you know, if you look at it and anybody could look at it, that's where we've been going. You know, we go down from 43 to 40 and, and every, every single few years, it seems like they are wanting to, or leaning towards shrinking the field, condensing the field like that. And that, that is one thing that caught my eye when, when BJ and Matt both kept saying, you know, we want to be here for a few years, you know, you'd think normally when people come in, they're like, you know, we, like you said, we believe in the sport, you know, and, and that could be the case. That might be, just be something they said, but it definitely did catch some, catch some eyeballs about what odd they're going to do. Odd way of saying that. So I just, I think to myself, okay, BJ smart guy, Matt smart guy investment opportunity here right where they go okay we know what the money is kind of start this thing up but we're going to start it up we're going to buy the charter we're going to get our money out of this charter and this equipment and then you know we'll see where we're at at the end of that is that out of the realm of possibility no it's not because this whole thing is going to shift quite a bit rj i look at my series and xfinity and again get ready all the aggregators and like reddit i look at my series and go okay 2024 What's the future? Xfinity is a premier partner for NASCAR in the Cup Series. And I go, does Xfinity go, hey, it's been a good run. <laughs> Love what you guys have done. You put on great racing. But NASCAR is essentially going to be the Truck Series and the Cup Series now. We're going to have a truck and a car. And Xfinity is like this kind of middle ground thing that we just, eh, we're not sure what to do with this. And that's going to be ARCA. And I go, uh, okay, well, what does that look like, right? So a lot of this could change. I, I don't think anything is off the table here. And again, this is not, I'm not hearing this from anybody. I don't want to sit here and say, oh, this is inside information or anything. That's not what's happening. This is just Tommy Joe Martins looking at the future of the business and going, look, the landscape of this thing is changing. It's changing under our feet right now. So to sit here and be like, oh, well, I know what it's going to look like in four years. I don't know. I'm in it. I own a team and run a team and I don't even, I didn't even know what tracks we were going to until like two weeks ago. Okay. So like it, we don't know, we don't know what, how much of this is going to change. And I can absolutely see a way of looking at this from the money where they go, look, we expanded too much. The costs have gotten too high. The only way to really fix this is to like either significantly lower the cost, which I hate to bring it to them. They're not really going to do. It's just going to always be expensive, right? We, we know this. Or divide, like get rid of a lot of the people that we got to divide the money up to, right? So like if we just removed a series, well now, whoa, everybody's getting more money. So I think that's, that's one of the ways they could look at this. I think everything's on the table. BJ and these people that are buying in right now, again, like they just walked up to the, to the craft table with fresh money. They're kind of betting that things are going to be better. Even though they're looking at some people walking away from the craps table, 
because for a spot to open up, somebody's got to walk away. <laughs> and they're looking at some people that just got beat up. But they're betting that this new car and the new structure of this is better moving forward, which I tend to agree. I, I tend to agree that it will be. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a, a uh, important time in our sport and it's going to be for the next few years. And I know one guy that's been really uh, excited about the new car is Jesse Wuji, who will be coming on here shortly. Uh, but before it'll be interesting to see what he has to say about that. But before we get to that real quick, we'll wrap up this first little, uh, little segment, half of the podcast uh, with one more thing about the truck series. They're going to Knoxville. They're going to two dirt races, Bristol dirt. We kind of assume that would be a thing, but they do officially announce they're taking away Eldora and they're going to Knoxville. What was, what was your initial reaction right there? You know, really my initial reaction on this wasn't the, like I'll respond to the Knoxville thing, but I thought the circuit of the Americas thing was equally as like big of a thing, right? Because now the truck series is like, as an owner, when you build a truck, that's a specialty truck or a specialty car, like a road course car or a speedway car yeah. or a dirt truck or a road course truck to only use it one time is almost like a little bit of a waste, right? Cause I got to dedicate like an entire truck to this one thing. Well now for these truck teams that have a dirt truck, they're getting to use it twice. And for the road courses, like, correct me if I'm wrong. Do they go to, I don't, I'm not sure if you got it pulled up right there, RJ, yeah. do they go to, um, uh, the Charlotte Roval as well. Cause it uh, might be no, two or they, two they go to Watkins Glen. They are actually going to Canadian Watkins tire. Glen. That's the other one. Yeah. Canadian tire, so Canadian tire Watkins Glen and yeah. Coda. So three road course races were up from one to three. So they're really like the, the structure of that schedule. Now it's a 23 race schedule. Five of the races are wild cards with specialty yeah. cars and that's not even counting the speedway races which they do two or three uh two i believe now just just daytona and then daytona Dega and the that. okay so seven of 21 races are dirt track speedway road course so a th almost a third of the schedule is like that i mean that's a big chunk and so that was a big time change uh, from what the truck series was. And then you still got Martinsville. Obviously, you still got Bristol uh, as a short track race. They're going to Richmond. They're going to Darlington. Uh, I think the Knoxville thing is awesome. That was a track, RJ, to kind of get back to the original question here. That was a track that I thought would be a perfect fit for trucks for, for a few years there. And I actually tweeted about this a couple times. <laughs> so, man, Eldora and Knoxville are really the venues as dirt track, as standalone dirt tracks in the country that were big enough to really hold a NASCAR event. It was the Knoxville, Iowa track and Eldora. Well, we're not going to Eldora anymore, which between you and me and the people listening probably should be. <laughs> if you really wanted to take a cup race there as an all-star race, that would have been cool. But I think what we're doing here, pouring dirt all over Bristol, everybody already knows my opinion on that. I don't think that's great. <laughs> Why take one of the best tracks and make it a dirt race? I don't understand this. But what I hope is a staple of this moving forward here, RJ, is like the dirt track at Charlotte. Do a couple of dirt races a year with the trucks. They put on a great show. You've got a dedicated truck for it. All the owners have to have that. Okay, let's get some more use out of that. And it creates another kind of wild card wacky race that for the fans is a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I, I am very excited for the truck series schedule. I know they... 
went from, I originally had 23 races go down to 22, but they totally revamped the schedule. You know, we got, like you said, they got, you know, two dirt races, three road course races. You got the super speedways. It feels like it's very even schedule. And then you throw in Darlington, which they officially go to, you know, this year, Nashville, super speedway, a uh, new track for everybody. I'm, I'm very excited. And, and they rebranded returning back to the camping world truck series. So (laughs) I am, I am, I am really excited about how, how, uh, it'll turn out. I mean, I bet bet you're pretty excited too, right? No, it's going to be a great series. Awesome. Awesome series. Um, and, and that the way the schedule is laid out for them, really cool. Um, I have always seen RJ that like the truck series and the Xfinity series are equal. I don't see one as like a step up from the other. Like, I think you're either in cup or you're in one of those other series and they're unique, right? Because like Xfinity kind of has its thing that it does, which is more development of younger talent that is like on the verge of cup. Um, We tour with the cup series more uh, like next year. The only time that we are not with the cup series is at mid Ohio. That's it. That's the only time in 30, 33 races. So the truck series I think this is a push to kind of give it a little bit more of its own identity with some more standalone races like gateway is now a standalone race for them. Canadian tire already was Uh, Knoxville is now a standalone race for them. Right. So they're going to, they're going to do that more than even our series is. And I think that's a push to kind of give them a little bit of their own identity as as a very versatile series. Um, and, And hopefully that attracts kind of a different, different types of drivers, uh, like we talked about last week with the role player drivers, right? Dirt specialists, uh, road course specialists, uh, speedway people, and all that. Well, if you create a series that, that is a big time mix mash of all that, maybe you're going to get some drivers like uh, like a Rico Abreu or somebody like that that only wants to do just a couple of dirt races now. Well, now that's really cool, and it kind of gives them a place to go do that. So I think it's a really good change. I think it's awesome. Yeah, a lot of questions, a lot of uh, things to be excited about, and uh maybe concerned about for the next four years <laughs> in the sport. So yeah. uh, we'll let tag me, tag me Reddit, yeah. tag me <laughs> to talk about this and on, and on Twitter too. And on Twitter, tag me. <laughs> yep. Uh, we'll let Tommy Joe depart here and we'll bring in Jesse Wooji here just in a moment. And we are back uh, here with the driver's meeting. I'm um, RJ Starcevic. Tommy Joe Martins has departed, but we have brought in our guest here. Uh, he's had a very eventful year. He's been on the racetrack uh, in a reporter's uniform for NBC and also Lieutenant Commander Jesse Awuji. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. So it's been, like I said, it's been an eventful year. If you had to pick um maybe a few a few of your favorite moments uh that you've been able to do this year what would those be um i would say favorite moments um you know i've gotten a lot of opportunities to do a lot of really cool things i would say this year um probably one of my most favorite moments um it wasn't really on track thing it was more off track where uh, at the end of this year i'm after the phoenix race I was able with uh, our partner, uh, True Car Military, we were able to, uh, I, was, I, I had the honor of being part of their um, Driven to Drive program where we were giving away a new vehicle. 
to a disabled veteran. So to be able to surprise this girl um, at her house and show up there, she had no clue that she, 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 she was a winner for this thing. And for us to be there and see the surprise on her face, the, the emotional experience, uh, be able to give her a brand new Chevy ZR2 truck, um, that was a pretty cool experience. So things like that are really what I enjoy most in this whole NASCAR journey. Um, throughout the years, I've gotten to do a lot of cool stuff off the track. Um, that involved, you know, using this platform that I have, being a, a NASCAR driver and being able to give back to community, give back to people, be there for people and do a lot of great stuff. And, and that's where I have probably the most fun. Yeah, it's great to hear about the stuff that happens behind the scenes. And, you know, you talk about the partners that you've had, you know, on your on your cars or trucks this year. How important are those those partners to you and, you know, because and them supplying, you know, you being out there on the racetrack? Yeah, um, partners are very important to being um, a driver. Um, you know, for, for those fans who don't know out there, um, it costs money to race. I wish it was free. You know, I wish, you know, it didn't cost anything to, you know, for tires or all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you got to think about it. When a race team goes to a track, you know, tires, uh, um, people, you know the, the the pit crewmen the and, and women the uh the crew chief your spotter all that stuff like they're not out there just having fun for free i mean they, they need to get paid this is how they feed their family so paying for all that the cars the the setups for the cars hauling the vehicles there travel hotels when you put it all together all this stuff costs thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars every single race weekend so it costs money so the only way to really make it work is by having enough sponsorship on board to actually get to the track and make it work yes there's purse money, but that purse money usually isn't enough to cover the cost it takes to get to the track. And the folks who are up front winning the races, um, they're spending probably three, four, five times the amount of what the actual purse money is to win to actually even try to be competitive and try to win. So it's really expensive. So having the right partnerships on board, um, that's super helpful and actually making it happen and keeping the journey alive. I've been very um, uh, fortunate to have partners all throughout this year. Uh, the latest one being True Car Military. We've had folks like Altrua, Altrua um, HealthShare, um, uh, TBS Contractors, Mile Marker 10, um, a lot of different partners that we've had on board throughout the whole year that have been very, very helpful um, in, in keeping this journey alive, really supporting um, a service member like me racing a NASCAR. Yeah, you you had it a very eventful uh, part of the year. I know uh, you talk about the partners you're able to get, and you you didn't run you know a full time schedule. But towards the end of the year, you got a lot of races in when you had that. Uh, I believe initially it was a three race deal uh, towards the end of the year with BJ McLeod Motorsports, and you got to run True Car Military on that car. How 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 was that uh, getting experience with them? Because uh, I know you made your first Xfinity start earlier in the year with MBM. Uh, how was that getting X Xfinity Series experience this year? Yeah, so uh, running Xfinity was really cool. I'm um, getting the opportunity to finally jump up there and run. Um, for me, you know, jumping up there with you know no practice and no experience really at all in the car. Um, you know, my big thing was just you know don't go out there and be an issue. Like just 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 run my own race. Um, like at the end of the race, if, if, if no one, if no one mentioned my name, then it's all good. Like, that means I went out there, I ran my own thing. I didn't have any issues. So, um, I want to go out there and run all the laps, com um, complete all the laps, um, finish the races so that I can gain experience because right now with, with no practice or anything like that, it's just the only laps you can get are in the race and in the race, everyone's, you know, obviously going full speed, full bore. You don't really have a lot of time to figure things out. So, um, it's definitely tough on that part, but I did get to learn a lot. Um, NBM was really good to us. Um, we ran the road course race, finished lead lap that race. That was cool. Um, I think 26 or wherever I finished, I can't remember. Um, the, um, the oval races with BJ McLeod were great too. 
um, great team. They did a lot to help me out and teach me a lot of different things. Um, you know, and, and it's great, you know, being with a team that understood um, what the mission was. They understood that, hey, right now it's, it's just learning. Just go out there and learn. Who cares where we finish? It doesn't matter. We can finish 300 laps down. doesn't matter. Like, just go run the race, finish the race, learn as much as you can. And, you know, when we can bring the car back in one piece, we can continue to progress from there. So look forward to next year, jumping back in and, um, you know, trying to do better. Yeah, you, you talk about the driving aspect and there was a lot of things that you got, got done towards the end of the year. You were a reporter, a pit reporter for, for NBC, uh, I believe, for a few Cup Xfinity races towards the end of the year. Uh, how, how different of an experience was that? Yeah, getting to do the NBC sports stuff was um, really fun. Uh, it was great. And, and big thanks to NBC for giving me that opportunity. But uh, being that pit reporter, learning on that side of things, getting the camera time was really good. Um, it's very difficult. It's not easy at all. Um, you know, I, you, you watch it on TV and you think it's just like, oh, yeah, it's just someone down there just talking about racing. It's, it's not easy at all. There's a lot of stuff you got to really know and, and, and you got to have energy doing it. And it's very nerve wracking it's live. You can't, you can't, you can't really mess up a lot and just redo. You just, you, that's it. Like you're one shot and that's it. So um, it's definitely, definitely difficult for sure, but I learned a lot, had fun doing it. And I look forward to hopefully doing some more next year. Yeah. Uh, I know for people who follow your social media, you, you, you like cars. I mean, we all do. Um, and I know you've been very interested in the next gen car. Everybody has uh, coming out uh, in 2022, what have your been initial thoughts? Cause they just had a road course test Monday, uh, oval test last Wednesday. What, have, what were your initial thoughts, uh, so far on that next gen car? Yeah. Um, next gen car is, I, I one, I love the look. I think it's cool. I love what they're doing with the wheels, how they're making it look more kind of a, like a GT type car, which is cool. Um, uh, it has a sequential shifter. That's interesting. Even though I'm a fan of the H pattern, I like the old school, H pattern. I, I really wish we could just stay H pattern because that's what makes NASCAR NASCAR having that raw feel. You know, we're not, I don't want to ever get to pedal, paddle, paddle shifts or anything like that. I don't want any of that. Just keep that H pattern four speed. Let's just boom, dog box, you know, let's do that. I mean, sequential is cool still, but you know, do we have sequentials in, in real cars? Like, like in that kind of style? No. <laughs> so <clears throat> let's, let's go to the H pattern. But anyways, Besides that, though, I think it's great. Um, it's always cool having a new card, something new to look forward to. Um, it sounds good, looks good. I can't wait till we see the real bodies of what these things will look like. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's cool. It's exciting that it's coming out, and I'm looking forward to finally having the thing eventually come out, I believe, in 2022. Yeah. Yeah. About a few weeks ago on the podcast, we were talk we had Matt Tift on here. And uh, as you know, he's partnered with BJ McLeod and you were yeah. uh, racing for BJ McLeod. So how, how was the experience uh, over there at BJ McLeod Motorsports and how do you think that could translate uh, for their team and, and cup? Yeah. Um, racing for BJ was great. Um, he's very helpful. Um, good. Um, Get at coaching, uh, coached me through a lot of things um, pre-race before all the races on what to expect, how to expect it, how to drive these cars at the particular tracks. You know, a lot of things that helped me a lot so that when I got out there, I wasn't like, you know, like just completely lost, you know. So um, that was really helpful. But um, yeah, BJ is super cool dude. I, I've, I've known BJ for a few years now, always been great, nice person. Um, I, I don't know Matt well at all. I don't, I don't, I don't even think I've ever talked to him, <laughs> but um, it'd be great to be uh, great to meet him sometime. I'm sure I will. And, um, yeah, it's cool that they got the cup team thing going now. So, um, it's going to be cool to kind of see where that progresses. Obviously you got to start somewhere. So who knows where it's going to start, how it's going to do at first, but 
BJ has been the one that always progress each year. So he'll make it better and better each season. Yeah, do you think next year you'll try to just take things step by step, kind of like you did this year and kind of just see what's available, see what sponsorship money you get and uh, what opportunities you get? Um, the first things first is always getting the sponsorship money. You got to get that and secure that first without it, without any cash period, it's very difficult to get in a race car. Um, and, uh, once I got the amount secured that we need, you know, obviously don't want to jump into as many races as possible. I want to gain as much Xfinity, Xfinity experience as possible. Um, maybe I'll run some truck races too. Um, just depends on how much budget we do have available, but my main focus is Xfinity. You know, I'd, I'd rather put the dollars towards that than anything else and just learn as much as possible. So, um, yeah, just taking a step-by-step one race at a time. Um, just, you know, always just trying to figure it out and, you know, eventually it gets to a point where we have bigger budgets and can run a lot more races, if not full seasons and, uh, you know, not really have to ever worry about, you know, what's my next race going to be. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And then this year you, you did a lot of stuff, including the Xfinity series. And I was going to ask if, is there anything that, that you look at just even in fantasy world that you would like to do like in the future outside of NASCAR or outside of football, you know, things that you haven't done that, that you think you'd be interested in? Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't even say in the fantasy world is real world. Like after NASCAR here, I'm a, I'll, I'll probably retire from NASCAR racing probably in 10 years or so. But uh, after that, I'm going to Hollywood world. I'm going to be in some big blockbuster films. I'm going to be like a Marvel comic movie or transformers, fast and furious, something. I would love to be in fast and furious. That'd be awesome. That'd be like a dream come true. But um, yeah, I'm going to be in some big, big, big blockbuster film somehow, some way um, I'm going to star in some of these films. I'm going to be in those. Like I'm, I'm going there after, after racing. So um i've been saying that for a few years now it's gonna happen <laughs> has has that has that been the uh the preparation i've i've seen on your uh your instagram sometimes you do those uh little the wwe skits you, you have on your on your social medias is that's what you're preparing I, for I, I need to actually i need to make a wwe appearance where i just like out of nowhere come off the top rope and just <laughs> take someone out but no we do that just because um i, I like filming stuff I love having fun. I love doing uh, uh, comical stuff. Um, I just I love doing just filming stuff and choreographing things. I think it's fun. And yeah, that's just part of the preparation right there. Just learning how to do little things and uh, cool. Hey man, yeah, I I wish the best for you. I I it's been amazing to see everything uh, you've done this year. Uh, you know, with the Navy, with NASCAR, uh, everything you've done. I really appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast. I know it was last minute. I, I asked you yesterday, but uh, I really appreciate you uh, coming on here and, and thank you for, for all that you do and will continue to do. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Have a great night. All right. You too. Thanks. All right. Bye. And all right, uh, that will do it for the Drivers Meeting Podcast. I really appreciate Jesse Wuji coming on here. Um, I know it was late notice for him. We had to get in a guest here. We had a few guys we're jumbling around with. But uh, really quick here towards the end, I'll give you guys an update. Um, for our schedule in the future, right now, next week, we're scheduled to have Raphael Lassard come on the show. And then after that, we're scheduled to have Jamie Little come on the show, who uh, is the new voice of the ARCA series. So that will be fun. Uh, also, while I'm here, we could uh, recap some of the news this week. Uh, 
actually earlier today, earlier this morning, actually, before I woke up, unfortunately, Ryan Truex uh, will run the full Camping World Truck Series schedule 2021 for Nice Motorsports. That continues to add to their lineup, which already has Carson Hosovar, who's a great talent. Um, he'll be driving full time for them as well. Uh, don't know the numbers, but I think Carson Hosovar will be in the 42 uh, with Truex in the 40, but that is just speculation. 45 still unknown. A lot of people thought it was going to be Trevor Bain. They had a uh, uh, announcement that wasn't true before they accidentally said it that he would run full time, but it doesn't look like he will anymore. I know Brett Moffitt's been a name that's been tossed around. Uh, don't think it would be full time, but he'd run the majority of the schedule uh, with him being at our motorsports as well. Uh, they also operate um, close to Nice. So that could be something we could see down the future. Moffat could make some truck starts down the road. Um, other than that, Tim Veen's going full-time in the 49 CMI Motorsports truck. Um, so a lot of truck announcements this week. John Hunter Nemechek, I wish Motorsports be noticed on, we noted on that earlier in the show. And I believe since we had our last podcast, they also did the next gen oval test. Um, the next gen's cars hit the track on the oval. Feedback wasn't incredible, is what NASCAR said, um, but that is expected. The drivers do not like the giant spoiler, and they ran a massive spoiler. Uh, looking at the pictures right now, that thing is gigantic. It's it's already gigantic, and then they had the the uh, clear little wicker on top. So that just adds to the fun. So Matt Kenseth also gave an update on his future that he will likely not return to full time racing anytime. Uh, in the future. Um, he said he's focused on IMSA and late model racing. The most popular drivers were announced for each series, Zane Smith for the truck series, Justin Allgaier for Xfinity series, and Chase Elliott for the cup series. Also, speaking of the cup series, news was announced that the crew chief changes for Joe Gibbs Racing. Adam Stevens goes to the 20 uh, with Christopher Bell. And at the 18, it's going to be Ben Bishore, who is an Xfinity crew chief the last few years. I believe he will be with Kyle Busch. So Kyle Busch, the two-time champion, gets a new crew chief for the first time in a few years. Mike Harmon Racing announced they will return with two cars in 2021, the 4774. Also, they said they uh, may add a third car at time. So two of their drivers primarily will be Kyle Weatherman, Bailey Curry. I spoke to Bailey Curry last week, said he would love to run full-time. Uh, I bet Kyle Weatherman would love to do the same. They also said Joe Nemechek and Greg Galding could potentially run some races for the team as well. 2021 Camping World Truck Series schedule came out this week as well, with the new additions being Bristol Dirt, uh, Nashville Super Speedway, Circuit of the Americas, uh, Knoxville, the dirt track. That's been the talk of the week. Watkins Glen has been added as well. That will be the regular season cutoff race. Then we get into the playoffs. Um, you have Gateway, Canadian Tire, and Bristol has a very interesting first round of the playoffs, two of those being standalone events. Then you have Las Vegas, Talladega, Martinsville in the second round. That'll be another interesting round as well. Talladega, uh, as a way you can punch your ticket to the final four, and then Phoenix still lies the championship race. Uh, was also announced that BJ McLeod is the driver of the 78 Live Fast Motorsports, which is the team that has been started by BJ McLeod and Matt tift so that is your rundown for this week's news um and that has also been episode number four of the driver's meeting thank you guys for tuning in and we will see you next week if you've made it this far we'd like to thank you for listening to the driver's meeting podcast we appreciate all the support 
And if you liked it, make sure to subscribe, follow, and stay tuned for upcoming episodes. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.